Podcast. Can you believe it? We are already in week 11. My name is David Schiff, and as always, I am here with my compatriot, my partner, my co-host, the one and only Miles V. Mr. V, how's it going these days? Hi, I'm Miles. Maybe you've heard of me. You know what? People have heard of you, Miles, because you we're going to get into it later, but you are doing something special here. We're both, just a little foreshadowing, we both had a good week here on the Winnabut Podcast, but... Uh, People have heard of you, deservedly so. So take it away. Well, thank you. I would like to share a little something here with our listeners. It's a, it's a little personal. It's a little raw. But it is something that I would like to admit. Now, I'm not going to overshare. Like when I had hemorrhoid surgery and every time I took the Browns to the Super Bowl, I had a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. No, no. I'm going to share that when I looked at the list of games last week for Week 10, My favorite game on the slate was Dallas minus five and a half as a road favorite against Green Bay, the home dog. And I thought, I can't be on this podcast telling listeners to stop betting against home underdogs and then violate my own rules. I have to follow my principle and at least lay off the game. So I did, reluctantly. And what happened? The Green Bay Packers won the game as a home underdog, and very few people saw that coming. Now, why am I saying this? Well, the first few weeks of this podcast, I did not subscribe to my own theory, and I continued to bet against the home underdog. And you know what? Those were the only weeks that I lost money betting this season. You were right. I am going to give us some some accolades, and I am going to continue to stick with my Lessons 1 and 1A. And let me remind everyone, Lesson 1, stop betting against home underdogs. And Lesson 1A, trust the theory and start betting on home underdogs. So what does that mean generally? It means if I don't particularly like a home dog, I'm going to lay off the game entirely and move on to a different game. And that allows me to focus on a smaller subset of games and probably the reason why I've been having positive weeks this season. You know, before I get caught up in wanting to bet every game, as many bettors do, but if I can just narrow it down and pick what I perceive are the better games, then maybe I can continue to make some money and people will have heard of me. I like what you're doing. The results certainly speak for themselves. You've definitely found something that you've hit on. I will remind you of rule 1B or 1C, which is if you are taking a home underdog and the line is more than 10 points, you do have to consider them on the money line because... That might have come in as well this week. Um, Maybe not so religious on that one, but it's a little crazy how often uh, that bet comes through as well. Yeah, this season, I'm very surprised at that. And and maybe, you know, I can break up the bets a little bit and bet, you know, uh, the majority of the money with the points and then take a fraction off that and and do the money line and see what happens. That's something that we have not done yet this season, but I'll, I'll consider it. That is true. So to remind everybody here on the Wanna Bet podcast, Miles and I bet $1,000 every week. We must make at least three bets. Each bet must be a minimum of $100. Uh, we're primarily betting the NFL. There was one college football bet in there. We won't talk about that. Didn't go so well for me. So what we do as the podcast goes along, we're going to spend the first part uh, looking back at last week's week 10 bets. We're going to assess the damage and tally up the wins, crown a victor, and then in a little bit, we will turn our attention to week 11. 
So, Miles, why don't you start? How did you do in last week's bets? I had another winning week, David, and that makes uh, seven weeks in a row and eight out of ten total so far this year. So I'm feeling really good generally about the betting strategy and how we're handicapping games. But I'll break down each individual three that I picked last week, and I'm going to start with Seattle plus three against Tampa Bay. All I can say about this game, David, is that I've never won a bet on an NFL game played in Germany, okay? And to be reflective here, I probably shouldn't be all that surprised. I mean, let's face it, my people traditionally haven't fared so well in Munich, okay? (laughs) You got the Dachau concentration camps, right? Those are near Munich. That's not cool. You got uh, the 1972 Munich Olympics, another tragedy in the sporting event for my peeps. And now, 50 years later, you've got me betting on the Seattle Seahawks for what feels like the umpteenth time in a row, and the German crowd country railroaded me into singing unison as they laughed at my bet. Now, some may say it's insensitive of me to compare the Tampa Bay-Seattle game to the Holocaust or to the Olympic hostage situation. Let me say this, I may or may not have seen Kanye West wearing a Tampa Bay jersey in Calabasas the other day, okay? And let's not forget former Tampa Bay receiver Antonio Brown, the same dude that exposed a schmankel in Arab Dubai, you know, he's come out in support of Kyrie Irving and the anti-Semitic post there. So what does this all mean? I don't know. I think I'm stretching here. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Look, the fucking Seahawks should have been better in that game. That's just really what it all comes down to. (laughs) They did not show up. Kenneth Walker had 10 carries for 17 yards. He had virtually no yards after contact. It was like any arm tackle or hand on his body resulted in him going to the ground when previous weeks he was breaking runs for 20-plus yards at a time. Geno Smith, he had a costly fumble in the red zone. That didn't help. And let's not forget, there was another failed two-point attempt that would have made this game a push. So, yeah, I woke up early to watch this horror story. And now please rise for the Mourner's Cottage. <laughs> I'm rising right now. I'm not sure you're giving Tampa Bay enough credit because this really was their most solid game, offense and defense. Uh, you know, Julio Jones and Godwin had touchdown passes. Rashad White ran for over 100 yards. And here's a stat that will probably never be broken. Tom Brady just won a game in the fourth different country that he's had the opportunity. So he's won in the U.S., Mexico, London, and Germany now. That will be tough for any quarterback to conquer. Unfortunately for you, Tampa Bay did uh, did win 21-16, so you did not put that 840 in your bank. I did not. And how's Tom Brady doing in Brazil, by the way? Uh, not so good, I hear. <laughs> not so good at all. Anyway. Moving on. We'll move on to my next bet, which was the Commanders plus 11 against Philadelphia. So, while the referees may have fucked this game up for Philly fans and prevented the Eagles from winning, you cannot blame the referees for Philly not covering. That was all on the Eagles. The Eagles started off great. They caused a first possession turnover deep in the Washington Territory, and then they had made a quick score to go up 7-0. But on the next drive, Washington proved that they are effective moving the ball and marched right back for an equalizing score. And the back and forth between the two teams really demonstrated that 
11 points is too many points to lay in a divisional game between two capable teams. And I've been pointing out this trend in recent weeks when I picked Carolina plus 12 and the New York Jets plus 13 and Tennessee plus 12 and a half. And I think this goes hand in hand with your lesson 1B or whatnot about, you know, the weird part is three of those four games that were double digit underdogs came in as outright winners and all very unexpectedly. So I don't have a good answer for why the underdog is outright winning, but I'm noticing that these double-digit favorites are not hitting, and the better side is to take the points. At least that's what I'm noticing this season. So the Commanders, praise be, blessed be the fruit, uh, was an easy win, 440 there to win another 400, 840 going to the bank. Yeah, in the past with these double-digit games, they've been the home underdog. This is actually a road underdog, so they really kind of came out of nowhere. And as we've discussed before, there is nothing better than this kind of bet. When you have a huge underdog that is in the game from the very beginning, these games are never sweats. They were head covered from, from the word go, from the first kickoff to the very end. You never had to worry about it. I don't know what happened to Philadelphia. They did not show up. They were looking past the commanders, but kudos to you because that was a nice uh, piece of pocket change for your bank. Yeah, thank you. And I wasn't the only one on this bet. I think some of our listeners also were on the commanders. And look, it's it's tough to have an undefeated season. Philly was bound to run into one of those rough games. And like I said at the start, the referees weren't all that kind. But 11 points, I blame that one also on the odds makers. That is just a lot of, a lot of points to be given. Yeah. What was your last bet? So that brings me to my last bet. Yeah, my last bet was the Chicago Bears-Detroit Lions over, and that was uh, 48 and a half points was the over-under, and I bet 120 to win 109. Now, if you only looked at the final score of that game, 31 to 30, you would have thought this game was an easy win and there was no sweating involved watching it. Not true. At the end of the first half, the score was 10-10, and neither team looked like they were in any hurry to score. I mean. At the end of the third quarter, it was 24 to 10 Bears, which meant I needed 15 points in the fourth quarter and not have Chicago play clock games to keep Detroit from, you know, getting the ball and running and keeping the clock moving. So the Lions scored. It was 24 17, and Chicago had the ball with like 11 minutes left. So I really was looking for a quick three and out and Detroit getting the ball back to try for a touchdown. But what happened next was even better. Justin Fields threw a pick six. And what does that mean? 24-24 is 48 points. And with 11 minutes and 10 more of overtime just to score a field goal, yeah, this was lining up nicely. And before I could figure out some way that this game couldn't go over, Justin Fields ripped off a 67-yard touchdown run, and already my worries were eliminated. Did I care that Chicago missed the extra point? No, I don't care because I'm not a homer. When it comes to betting, my bet came in. Detroit, Chicago, whatever, just pay the man his money. Show me the money! (laughs) Well, we are going to pay you uh, $229 on that, right? That was $120 to win 109 Yes, which gave me, I think, $1,069 on the week. Again, another consecutive week of cashing in. It's really, really impressive what you're doing. Now... You do have to feel for the Bears a little bit. We've talked about it, that we've become a fan of theirs lately. Justin Fields has really turned the corner. He's playing a lot better offense. He's running. He's throwing. But the Bears aren't turning that into wins. So they have kind of the um, 
unfortunate um, title right now of a team, the only team in NFL history that has scored 29 points three weeks in, the, in a row and lost all three of those games. So they are managing to, uh, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And, you know, they really have only themselves to blame when you trade away Roquan Smith, when you trade away Robert Quint, you're just going to not going to have the defense that you should. And maybe they're regretting that right now. Well, let me give you this hot take, I guess. Uh, yes, they're not turning it in the wins, but, you know, they are turning it into hope. I mean, they really are seeing a lot out of Justin Fields that they didn't know at the beginning of the season. And I think with all the draft picks they're getting in these trades and with all the optimism they have for next year, I think they're in a good situation. I They know that they're not going to be competitive this year, but I think the future looks relatively stable. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's some teams who have no idea what they're going to be doing next year. Not the Bears. They know who's going to be behind center. So great week for you. You turned your 1,000 into 1,069. More importantly, uh, your seventh straight cash. And that put you in second place. Yeah, you you beat me. But let's, uh, let's look at our listeners and see how they did first before we get into how you did. Absolutely. What do we got this week, Miles? So Don, he was a winner this week, cashing in on the Commanders. Blessed be the fruit. And also he took the Colts' money line. That was a bold bet, Donnie. Uh, Dave, Dave Siegel was also a big-time winner this week. He knew to bet the Buccaneers in Germany, and he also cashed in on the Chiefs under and the Dolphins over. RJ had a losing week, but he did hit on his two-team teaser pick of the Steelers and the Broncos. So good job there. And of course, there's Bill Kuklanis, who was one point away from having another perfect week. He had the Chargers 49ers under, the Titans Broncos under, and he just missed having the Jags plus nine and a half against the Chiefs, who won by 10. Great job, Bill. I think you also had a, uh, a friend of yours send you some picks. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Brett Kerner. He did not send me money allocations, but he took the Bears, Titans, Dolphins, and Saints all against the spread. Uh, mixed bag there. So the uh, Tennessee and Miami bets came through, but the Bears and Saints did not. Uh, he also had the Rams on the money line, and that did not come through as well. So, Brett, we love you. Keep on throwing out those picks. Uh, and next time, give us some money, and we'll see how you do against all of us. Don't forget, you can make your picks by going to at Wannabet Podcast on Twitter. All right. So here is how my week settled out. Um, I had three bets and kind of a typical week. I had one bet that was never in doubt, one bet where I never had a chance, and one bet where I, I was in a complete and total sweat all the way through. So let's go through those three bets. My first bet, the big bet, I had Miami Minus three and a half over Cleveland, 440 to win 400. The final was Miami 39 to 17. This game was never in doubt. Tua, Tua, Tua. I mean, you got to give this guy credit. He continued his stellar play. He throws three touchdowns to three different receivers. His quarterback rating for the game was 135. And since his return in week seven, he's thrown 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. This team is going into their bye right now. They are coming into the last third of the season really, really hot. And what did I say about the Cleveland Browns last week? I said that Miami is not great against running quarterbacks, 
but Jacoby Brissett is not a running quarterback. The Miami defense ate him alive. Three sacks, three tackles for a loss against the team, and 14 quarterback hits. The Browns had 178 yards rushing the week before against Cincinnati. I said that wasn't going to happen against the Dolphins, and call me Kreskin because it didn't. They had 112 yards rushing in the game. Nick Chubb only had 63 yards. He did have a touchdown, but he also lost a fumble. Amari Cooper only had three catches. Now, the Browns scored the first touchdown of the game, and then the Dolphins just steamrolled them. They scored the next 24 points, and the Chubb Bowl was a blowout by the fourth quarter. The Dolphins are now in first place in the AFC East, thanks to Buffalo's mind-boggling loss to Minnesota, which I don't even know if we're going to talk about, but that was insane. And I put $840 in my bank, so that was a good bet. I don't have a lot to add to your commentary because I told you last week that I liked your bet and that I too was making the same bet in Vegas. So uh, you picked that one right. I felt the same way you did about Miami and just how strong they are. So kudos to you. So I go for my bet that was never in doubt to the bet that never stood a chance. And that was Las Vegas minus six. Over Indianapolis, 330 to win 300. The final was the Colts 25, Las Vegas 20. Uh, This game was never in my favor. It was a little bit of a strange week. So there's all this chaos going on with the Colts. Jeff Saturday comes out of the announcing booth. He goes right to the sidelines. Uh, They've replaced their quarterback, their play caller. But in the middle of all that, the Raiders have this sort of crazy distraction of their own. Their linebacker, Blake Martinez, retires in the middle of the week, just like five days after leading the team in tackles. They haven't really said why he's retiring. Maybe it's health reasons. So anyway, there's a lot of distractions swirling around both of those teams. But really, aside from all that, is there a more disappointing team in the NFL right now than the Raiders? Yeah, there's some contenders, Broncos, Packers, Rams. I'm looking at all of you. The Raiders are two and seven right now. They got booed off the field. Derek Carr is crying in his post-game press conference harder than Dig for Meal. Cry, cry. There's no crying in football. This team is just going down the tubes. And you know, maybe it's Josh McDaniel. We've talked about this before. Maybe this guy is just not cut out to be an NFL head coach because he is not delivering results on the field. And this is his second opportunity. Now. Last week, I did proclaim that Saturday does not know Sunday, referring oh, to the new hang on a minute. Let me interrupt what? you there. You did more than proclaim that, but I want to make, <laughs> sh- make sure we got the receipts to cover it. I will say this right now. Saturday does not know Sunday. And yes, I'm tra- trademarking that phrase. Your Thanks right for reminding now. everybody. Yes. That is you right there. Saturday does not know Sunday. Okay. You also said, yeah, uh, I'm betting 330 to win 300. I might as well bet 330,000 to win 300,000. And then I think you talked about mortgaging your house and driving to Vegas. So you and these proclamations, I'm going to say you had, you had another one earlier this year. You had the Teddy Bridgewater, do you know what his nickname is? It's Teddy Covers. And what happens? The guy gets knocked out of the game and you lose that bet. You got to you gotta have more respect and, and stop just making these huge proclamations, which end up sounding like you're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. No, it's you got to have some humility. 
So in fairness to me, I believe what I said last week, if you were to play out the entire quote about this game, is that I would drive to Las Vegas, I would mortgage my house, except for the fact that the Colts were playing the most confounding, unpredictable team in the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders. So a little bit of a qualification there, I will have to say. The second thing I will have to say is, of the two of us, you did not win the week. I did. So there you go. Um, but I will give Saturday credit. And by the way, I'm also printing t-shirts now that say Saturday does no Sunday. So I've got my bases covered on all of that. Good, good call. I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give him credit because he did a very smart thing on Sunday. He started Matt Ryan over Sam Ellinger. That was and a game week, changer. Absolutely. And I think in, not in retrospect, but when you have a team that's in free fall, you're trying to get a rookie going, they put in a 37 year old veteran. And what does Ryan do? He rewards him with a solid performance and the longest run of his career. Did you see that Matt Ryan had a 39 yard run, which was great. Match that against Tom Brady going out to receive a pass and falling down and tripping the guy. I mean, yes. Instant NFL meme, Tom Brady going out for a pass. Yeah, the Colts went out to a 10-point lead, and they never looked back. Jonathan Taylor had a big day, 150 yards and a touchdown. I, you know, like I said, this this game was never uh, on the board for me. I lose the bet. What are you going to do? And I will tell you, the one thing I learned is that I am not betting the Colts anymore this season, and I'm not betting the Raiders anymore this season. Those two are off my book. You have failed me for the last time. I tried to tell you last week not to bet the Raiders or, you know, any, or just touch the Raiders. It's, it's hard. They're, they are the most unpredictable for you and me. There are just some teams that have our number and that's, that's the one that does. That is true. Now, I believe you also told me not to bet the Chargers last week. And that was my final bet. I had the Chargers plus seven over the 49ers, 230 to win 209. And this was the game that was the complete sweat all the way through. Now, when I made this bet, I know I could feel all of our thousands of listeners out there and my co-hosts rolling their eyes and yelling Homer at their iPhones. I insisted this was not a Homer bet. It was all about the seven points that were being given to a five and three team. And who's laughing now, suckers? Because I cashed that bet. McCaffrey did have a touchdown, but he only ran for 38 yards. And really, this game was won by the 49ers defense. They held the Chargers to 51 yards on the ground. They held Herbert to under 200 yards passing. Did I get lucky that the Chargers were scoreless in the second half and still covered? You bet I did. Did I get even luckier that they had third and goal on the two twice and didn't score touchdowns and kicked field goals? Hell yes, I did. Did I get even luckier than that, that they missed a PAT, which turned a potential tie into a victory for me? Fucking right, I did. And is luck absolutely part of this game? And will I happily put the 439 in my bank to give myself the win? Oh, fucking yes, I will. Do you have any idea how close you were to losing that game? And I'm just talking about the last minute of the game. You've got the best running back in the league that you keep on the sideline and hand the ball to Elijah Nobody, who trips and falls and loses a yard. It was third and goal from the one, and he lost a yard. And what do they do? Instead of stepping on their neck, instead of just going in for the kill, they kicked the field goal. You think they learned from when Carolina was down six and they threw a Hail Mary 62 yards? 
you got to get up those two scores. I couldn't believe that. that. The whole game was just hanging in the balance, and you just, you got one. I give you our champion! It was beautiful, and we complain often on the show about how bad beats and last-second plays uh, you know, cost us wins. This was a game that I probably had no business winning. I ended up squeaking it out. It didn't even end like I predicted. I thought that the Chargers might get a last-minute score uh, to get a backdoor cover. That didn't even happen. I don't care. I'll take it. After 10 weeks, that gives us five weeks each. But, Miles, you are still in the lead pretty considerably on your bank lead. You have $11,052. I have 9418 But, again, pretty good week for both of us. Very competitive between you and me, but collectively, I think that we're still both cashing more than we're not. So I like seeing that. So that was week 10. And I will say thank you because I enjoyed a delicious lunch at the iconic hamburger stand Marty's uh, down in West LA with some chili on my burger. Yeah. There will be uh, all sorts of documentation on that on Twitter shortly. No, that was good. That was my first time there. And that was a pleasant surprise. Well, now it is time to turn our attention to week 11, a big week, uh, a lot of fun games going on. Miles, who do you like in week 11? Week 11, I'm going to start off by taking New England minus three against the New York Jets. That's at a negative 115 instead of 110. So that's going to be $460 to win 400. Now, I've won several times with the Jets this year as underdogs, but... They were big underdogs at the time. This time, they're a small underdog, only getting three points, and I'm excited to finally take the Patriots in a bet this year. See, I've watched you cash on several Patriots bets, and I want to be in on the fun. So why do I seem so confident that the Patriots will win? Well, here's why. The two teams already played once this year, and that game was a Jets home game, and you know what happened? The Patriots won that game on the road. Now, with the home field advantage and a history of Belichick overwhelming young quarterbacks in Foxborough, I am banking on Zach Wilson seeing ghosts like his old friend Sam Darnold did when he played the Pats. The Patriots have owned the Jets the last several years, beating them at least like the last 12 meetings or something like that. And you have to go back even further to find the last time the Jets beat the Patriots at Foxborough. Something like 2008 or something like that. I, I don't History is on the side of Belichick and the crew. We are all Patriots. This is my 460 big bet for the week. So both of these teams are coming off of their bye. Two weeks ago, the Jets had a huge win over the Bills. Are you concerned that the Jets are trending up and that the Patriots might run into a little bit of a buzzsaw? The Jets are trending up. They're a good team. I mean, and these are division rivals, so I do expect a relatively close game. But... We're only talking three points here. It's not like we're talking, you know, a touchdown or more. And I just feel like the Patriots at home, uh, you know, are just a different team. And when they play these inexperienced quarterbacks, they're not ready for Foxborough. That is very true. Young quarterbacks do not do well on the road against New England. My first bet, my big bet of the week, slightly, um, I'm taking four bets this week. So this first bet is the New York Giants minus three over Detroit. It's 330 to win 300. Now, the Giants, quite simply, have been one of the most underrated teams in the NFL. They're 7-2 and two through nine games. They're coming off of a 24-16 win against Houston last week. They covered a five-point spread there. Um, Saquon Barkley rushed for 152 yards. That's the fourth time this season he's gone over 100 yards. 
last week, Justin Fields and the Bears gashed the Lions. This week, Barkley is going to do the same thing. And don't forget about Daniel Jones. He's rushed for almost 400 yards himself with three touchdowns. On the season, the Lions, they give up over 29 points a game. The Giants give up just under 20. That's a huge disparity. I don't see anything changing this week. Detroit pulled off a win last week at Chicago, but this is going to be their second straight road game. That's hard. It's going to lead to some potential fatigue issues. They've only won once in their last eight road games. New York has covered the spread in five of the last six. Giants are tough at home. Lions are tired road warriors. And I see the Giants covering this and winning this bet. Are you concerned that the Lions have put together an amazing two-in-a-row win streak this year? No. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) I guess there there you have it. No, I mean, look, the Lions are playing pretty decent ball, and I've always felt that the Giants are pretenders. But in this spot, uh, the Giants at home minus three – uh, I think you're right. I think Barkley might uh, might have a big day. So if you're a fantasy player, I would probably roster him as one of my running backs. Yeah, I just look at, you know, the defenses with, you know, like I said, the, the Giants are giving up 20 points a game. The Lions are giving up 29. That's a huge disparity. Giants are playing at home. At some point when you're 7-2, and two, you can't be a pretender anymore. People have to start taking you seriously. I'm ready to start taking the Giants seriously. So my next bet is going to be New Orleans minus four against the Rams. This one's at a minus 105, so I'm betting 315 to win 300. The LA Rams are a dumpster fire. It's such a disappointing season for them. The only bright spot they had on offense was Cooper Cup, who as of last week is out for the remainder of the year. The Rams have no other wide receivers to speak of. The Rams have no running game. It's Wednesday. We still don't know whether Stafford's going to be released from concussion protocol, but if he is, who's he going to throw to? We know there's been a missing persons report filed on behalf of Allen Robinson, so who remains? I'm looking at you, Ben Scourneck. Look, not to say that New Orleans has been a powerhouse, but they are playing at home with actual weapons like Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave. And even if you can't rally behind Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill will get his share of snaps, and Jameis Winston is ready for a comeback. So it's unclear at this point, but it probably doesn't matter given that the Rams just want this nightmare season to end. I'm taking the Saints minus four. Yeah, I think I saw just a couple of hours ago that the that the Saints are sticking with Dalton despite the past results. I think there was some thought about going with Winston. I don't think they think he's quite ready yet. I don't know. The Saints are three and seven. Should they be the favorite in this game? They're coming off of back-to-back double-digit losses to the Steelers and the Ravens. They're just not a great team either. I agree with your analysis on the Rams. I mean, you and I are playing wideout and slot receiver this week. They got nobody left, although I do have uh, Tyler Higby on my fantasy team, so it would be nice if they threw to him every now and then. Yeah, a couple of bad teams. Um, I understand the bet. We'll see how it plays out. All right, well, my second biggest bet, just barely, uh, is Chicago plus three over Atlanta, and it's just under the first bet because I only have to bet 315 to win 300. They're minus 105 on that bet. All right. As we've talked about, the Bears are scoring a lot of points. Justin Fields is improving every week. Last week against the Lions, Justin Fields rushed for 147 yards and two touchdowns. Guess which team in the NFL is the worst at defending quarterback runs? 
You guessed it, the Atlanta Falcons. They give up over six and a half yards per attempt to regular quarterbacks. Justin Fields could rush for 300 yards this week. He is going to run wild on them. Falcons, they're coming off of a bad loss to the Panthers. And with every week that goes by, it becomes more and more clear that Marcus Mariota is not the answer in Atlanta. He was sacked five times. He threw an interception. He's making some terrible decisions. Now, I did strongly consider taking the Bears on the money line this game. And here's why. And as some of you you know, who are a little bit newer to this and they listen to the podcast, we get some feedback that says, I really like it. You guys are throwing around a lot of numbers. I don't totally understand the bets. So I thought I would just take a quick second and break down the difference in the bets. So here's how that goes. The Bears are plus three in this game, and that's listed at 105. That means if I want to bet the spread, I get $100 back for every 105 that I bet. So my 315 bet would win $300. That would give me, with my original bet, $615 back. On the money line, the Bears are listed at plus 135 because they're the underdog in the game. So what does that mean? For every $100 I bet on the money line, I would get $135 back. So if I bet the same 315 on the money line that I did on the spread, I would win 425 on my bet, giving me a total of 740. So is it worth it for me to give up those three points for the chance of getting an extra $125? And in this case, the answer is no, because as we've discussed, the Bears defense is very, very shaky without Roquan Smith, without Robert Quinn. They have been bad. I mean, they're basically losing this team the games. The offense is scoring and the defense is just giving up more. So I'm going to stick with my bet. I'm going to take those points. And the Bears hopefully are going to cover for me. This isn't the first time you've taken the Bears. Uh, you took them as a home dog the other week, didn't you? I like the Bears, absolutely. I like it when I have a sense of which way teams are trending. And I think we both have a read, certainly on the Bears offense in certain situations, uh, to be a good bet. Well, that actually, the difference between the money line and the spread at, at over $100, it's a little more significant than I thought it was. But... I, too, like the points. I'm a little more conservative in that regard and would rather have the insurance. So that's my second bet. Well, it's funny because I, I, my third bet, I had the same kind of decision on whether to take the money line or the points. And that's here. It's the Vikings plus one and a half against Dallas. And I'm betting 225 to win 205. So I thought about taking the money line here and refused the one and a half points. And that was an even money bet. So it would have been 225 to win 225 instead of 225 to win 205. But for that extra $20 in winnings, I think I'd rather have the one and a half just in case the game ends in a tie or there's a missed extra point or, you know, something. Let's face it, we've seen everything this year. And not taking the points, I think that recently cost you in, in one of our bets because uh, yep. they didn't come in. And if they had the points, they would have. So I'm taking the points. The Vikings are a strong team. They just won the miracle game against the Bills that you mentioned. Um, it might not be the best spot to pick them, especially since the Cowboys are coming off a loss. But here's my thinking. Vikings are a great team at home. Okay, They're a different team at home. They play exceptionally well there. And while this isn't a 10 a.m. game, it's also not a primetime game, which that's where Kirk Cousins traditionally struggles. So starting around the 1 o'clock hour, that doesn't really scare me. The Cowboys just lost a game they should have won against the Packers. And the Packers, they're not a good team. The Vikings easily handled the Packers earlier in the year. 
Justin Jefferson, he's the best receiver out there. He's wide receiver one for sure. Dalvin Cook, he's a running machine. And when the Cowboys try to cover those guys, there's still Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson to think about. So I think the Vikings are going to be too much for the Cowboys. And did you notice this is a home underdog situation? So that's a lesson one and one A bet for you right there. Yeah, you've got a team that lost a game they should have won and it versus a team that won a game they should have lost. Even though it's not a primetime game, there's going to be a lot of attention on this game. It's obviously a big NFC rivalry. Kirk Cousins tends to shrink in those games, whether it's primetime or not. I just wonder if the Vikings are getting a little bit too much respect because they did come back and beat Buffalo. Dak Prescott is one more week, you know, healthier back into rhythm. I am nervous for you for this bet. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. I'm wondering if Minnesota's not getting enough respect. I mean, they're 8-1 and one and a home dog. I mean, they are sitting atop of the friggin' standings. You are not wrong. We will see how it plays out in a few days. All right, I've got two more bets, uh, so I'll go through those quickly. My third bet is Buffalo Cleveland. I'm taking the under. Now, I got this under at 43 uh, a day or so ago when I first looked at the line. It has since dropped to 41.5. I'm betting 220 to win 200. And this bet and this game can be summed up in one word, weather. It's our first weather game that we're really sort of going off of. Snow is expected to dump on Friday and Saturday in Buffalo, and on Sunday it is supposed to be cold and windy. And the windy part is really the part that leads me towards the under because that takes away a passing game or at least a major passing attack from both sides of the ball. It's going to be miserable. All of that points to a low-scoring game. Like I said, I got it at 43. It's now dropping to 41 and a half. So I'm not the only one who thinks it's going to be a low scoring game. The Browns, now they already come into this game reeling. They've lost five of the last six. I will say this. Deshaun Watson supposedly is practicing as he is eligible to do, but the Browns have announced that Brissett will be starting. I don't blame them. I don't think you want Deshaun Watson coming in cold uh, into a game like this. Um, now they're coming to Buffalo to play the Bills, who have the second best defense in the NFL. Once again, if Brissett is the quarterback, which I believe he will be, not being mobile with the win making it harder to pass, I think that's all going to be negative against the Browns. The Bills are going to be able to key on Nick Chubb, take him out of the game. I am predicting that the Browns themselves don't score more than 14 points. The Bills. As we know, they are pissed off coming off of that crazy game against Minnesota. They were 17 points up with like a quarter to go. It's crazy that they lost that game. I can tell you this. They are not going to turn the ball over three times in the fourth quarter like they did in that game. The wind also takes Stephon Diggs out of his game a little bit. This game is going to be a slog fest from the beginning to the end. I like my bet on the under, under 43. I think you're probably right on this game. Um I think when it comes down to it, you know, while Cleveland might have the better back in Chubb and even arguably Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback who could run just as well as his running backs. And if it's going to be as windy as you say it's going to be, it probably is going to wreak some havoc on the kicking game. So some of the three-point field goal attempts aren't probably going to be there. So that also favors betting it under. I thought about it. 
And maybe if I knew that it was snowing that day or, you know, that it was going to be some kind of weather on Sunday, I'd, I'd be a little more into this game. But who knows? Uh, I I like your bet. I, pro- I actually think you're going to win it, but uh, I stayed off of it. I agonized, but I stayed off of it. Well, I love that we're making a bet around weather. So I'm hoping it's cold, it's slippery, it's wet, it's miserable, uh, and then I reap the rewards of uh, putting some money uh, on a cold, miserable day. All right, my last bet, I had $135 left over, and I put it on the Pittsburgh Steelers plus four and a half at home against the the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's 135 to win 122. And here's kind of a fun fact. Mike Tomlin has been the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers for 14 years. And do you know why he's been such a successful coach for that long? Because he is really good at making adjustments throughout the season, throughout the game, and adapting his team along the way. Are you sure it's not because he looks strikingly similar to Omar Epps? You know, he does look like Omar Epps. I don't know that I really thought about that. Maybe you're, you're right. Maybe he thinks he's playing a character in a movie. Regardless, he's been there for 14 years. Listen to this. After week five, when the Steelers are a home underdog, they are 14-2-1 against the spread. That is a crazy, compelling statistic. I believe that works in my favor. Now, we've talked a lot about not betting against home underdogs against the podcast, and the data bears that out. I actually did some digging, and divisional underdogs... And if the spread is between three and 10 points, they are crushing it this season to the tune of an 18 and six against the spread record on the year. Now you put that together with a healthy TJ Watt who returned last week when they had a really nice win against the saints, a fully healthy Pittsburgh secondary, and you've got a Steelers team that is as confident as they have been all season. And on the other side, While the Bengals are fully rested coming off of their bye, they're likely still going to be missing their biggest contributor on offense, Jamar Chase. It's unlikely that he's going to play, which is a huge impact for the Bengals. Now, they're still going to have a passing game, but they're going to be less explosive downfield. I still think they're going to move the ball, but their offensive line has not been giving Burrow a lot of time. And when you put that up against a very stout Steelers front seven right now that's coming off one of their better games of the year, I think the Steelers are going to cover this game. Um, You know, when the Bengals played the Browns a couple of weeks ago, also without Chase, they only scored 13 points. So I think everything is aligning here for Tomlin to do what he does, which is to get his team ready, which is to get his defense fired up. I don't know that they're going to win the game, but I love the four and a half points here. I like that you're taking a lesson one, one a right here with the home dog. I mean, I'm doing that on my last bet. You're doing that on your last bet. I think that right there makes me happy. I still don't think we know who the Cincinnati Bengals are this year as a team. I've watched them in weeks where they look absolutely abysmal, and I've watched them in weeks where they look like they are the returning you know, AFC representative in the Super Bowl. So you don't know which team's going to show up this time, but uh, I think the statistics favor you, and so good for you. We'll see how it plays out. I think Burrow's going to be running for his life this game. So we'll see. So those are my four bets. That's it, Miles. Another week of the Wanna Bet podcast in the can. What do you say? Yeah, and you know, well, I'm going to be taking off for Thanksgiving, so I'm going to be out of pocket for a week. I think we'll still drop a, uh, a podcast for everyone for Thanksgiving and whatnot, but I don't know that we can make a bet this week. Can we uh, postpone for another? 
Yeah, I think that's the way to go. I'm traveling as well, so we'll definitely have a podcast Thanksgiving week because so many great weeks, so many great games are going on. Uh, no bet though, no food. That's okay. Um, there you go. That's the one about podcast for week eleven. Miles, love your body, Larry. Nice work. All right, everybody, take care. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.